This is NBA Sound System Live, featured on NBA.com sites around the world and archived on the NBA Sound System podcast feed, where you get your podcasts by searching NBA Sound System. Thank you for joining us. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, each with the handle at NBA Sound System, or visit us at NBASoundSystem.com for more. Now, NBA Sound System Live. It is NBA Finals Week in the National Basketball Association. This is NBA Sound System Live across the NBA Global Networks. I am Carlin Gay. He is Scott Rafferty, and we are ready to rock, Scott. It has been a long 2020 season, but we're finally here. We are potentially four games away uh, from crowning a new NBA champion. Four wins stand between the Miami Heat and another ring for the great Pat Riley. And four wins stand in the way of LeBron James adding to his great legacy. I can't wait to talk about this. I know. It's going to be a great series. I know there's been some disappointment from people that the Celtics is not Celtics-Lakers. But I'm really excited about this. I think this could be a really hard-fought series. One that, again, could go six or seven games. And really, either team, I think, could win. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, you mentioned the Celtics. We'll talk about them a little bit later on for the Celtics fans out there. We'll also discuss what happens next with the Denver Nuggets, who made a tremendous run in the bubble. A new job has opened up, Scott. The LA Clippers, a surprise move, uh, you know, cutting ties with Doc Rivers. That might be the most interesting job in the NBA, and we'll talk about who could potentially fill it. But first, of course, we got to start with the finals. And anytime we talk finals in our lifetime, really, we got to talk about LeBron James because he always <laughs> seems to be in the finals. It's going to be his 10th appearance in the NBA finals. Uh, it, it is a historic mark for a guy that continues to build his legacy uh, and, and really, you know, his name is is really etched all over the history books when you look at it. He ties Kareem Abdul-Jabbar uh, for, for 10 finals appearances in a career. Only Celtics legend Sam Jones and Bill Russell, who uh, Sam Jones has 11 appearances in the finals. Bill Russell, of course, 12 appearances in the NBA finals. Those are the only two players in NBA history that have more cracks at championship than LeBron James. And it doesn't look like he's slowing down anytime soon. It's outrageous. Um, and there's other stats like he's been to more finals appearances than 27 franchises, 27 <laughs> out of the 30. So the only ones who have been there more are the Lakers, the Celtics, and the Warriors. Um, for him to just be doing this, I know we've said it all season long, that for him to be playing at this level, at this age, given the mileage, uh, is just absolutely incredible. And, and it's just another reminder to not take anything that he played, any anytime he takes the court for granted, because um, you never know what the future will hold. And we really are just watching an absolute legend um, still playing at the peak of his powers, another chance to win a championship. Um, and, and there's history on the line beyond the whole, you know, 10 finals appearances, winning another one. Um, he, has, he has a chance to become the first player in NBA history to win a championship and finals MVP with three different teams, um, which, you know, would be obviously a huge accomplishment, uh, accomplishment and a testament to just how incredible he is to think that, you know, three different teams he's brought to, to the finals and has a chance of winning it. Um, so it, it goes without saying, but yeah, LeBron, LeBron is pretty good at basketball. Yeah, he, he really is. And, and it's the, the pressure that LeBron James is under on a game-to-game -game basis. I don't think... We truly realize like he came into the NBA 
with a lot of expectations, Scott. Like he was, mm-hmm. you know, bespoke upon as the next great player, and 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 some of that he had, you know, had to do with him and, and putting that sort of pressure on him. But in, in terms of wearing a twenty three and 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 some of that other stuff, you know, tattooing chosen one on his back, like some of that is self inflicted. But the bottom line is that seventeen years in, we're now looking at a guy that's about to play in his tenth NBA Finals. He's almost been in the finals 60% of his NBA career. And anytime he gets on a, you know, a basketball court, except for maybe the first couple of years in his career, it's really been sort of finals or bust for him or or championship or bust for him. Uh, the expectations have been that high. I don't think another player maybe other than Michael Jordan has had those types of expectations year in, year out and to go in the face of everything. Uh, with with uh, the way that the world is now, where everything gets nitpicked to the the finest degree, for him to be able to be able to perform at the level that he's been able to do it, year seventeen to continue to change sceneries and 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 find a way to get teams to the finals with, you know, not always the greatest of scenarios around him is is really and truly remarkable. I think for me. You know, him going to Miami, I think it was set up for him to, to win multiple championships there, and he got that done. It wasn't easy, but he got that done. But him to go back to Cleveland, people always talk about how he, he sort of, you know, manufactured that team, and it was a built super team, quote-unquote. That Cleveland organization hadn't been winning a ton, you know, before LeBron James got there. And he was able to get them over a hump that not only just that franchise, but the entire city had never seen before. He got them their first championship. Decides to go to L.A. to get the Lakers back to where they once were. And you talked about the Lakers being in the finals and a chance to tie the Celtics for the most uh, you know, championships uh, in NBA history. This, the Lakers hadn't been good for a very long time until LeBron James got there again and got them back into relevance. And it only took one year. You know, if, if we don't count the year yet last year where he was there and he got hurt, that if he doesn't get hurt, that's a playoff team. Would they have made the finals? Who knows? Probably not, in my opinion. I think the Warriors would have knocked them out. But the bottom line is he would have got them back to the playoffs, and they would have been relevant again. And he's one full year now. He's not healthy, or he is healthy for the full season. For him to get them back to the championship round, to me, is remarkable. And I think he really and truly deserves a lot of praise. And it's hard to do that in the moment, but we should take some time and appreciate greatness because he is truly great. Yeah, I, this is the first time the Lakers are going to be in the finals in a decade. It was 2010, the last time they were there. Um, I mean, everything you just said, it, it is absolutely incredible. And again, it's just so easy to take for granted because, as you said at the top, he's basically just been in the finals every single... It feels like he's gone to the finals every single year over the past 10, 12 years. Um, and we're just used to him, no matter what situation he is, kind of carrying a team to this stage and giving them a chance to win it all. Um, Obviously, it's not just him. Anthony Davis is arguably the best teammate that he's ever had. But there's something to be said about him finishing second in MVP in the regular season. And then, you know, we we see what happens to to Giannis Antetokounmpo in the playoffs. We see what happens to Kawhi Leonard, these guys who are kind of jockeying for the the title of the best player in the world. And here's LeBron just taking his game to another level yet again in year 17 um, and doing things like that closeout game against the Nuggets where he just took over in the fourth quarter um, and basically had, I can't remember exactly, but it was like a 37-point triple-double. And it was just, you know, 
it was just another reminder that when the stakes are at their highest, we can expect LeBron to always perform, um, even at this stage of his career. Uh, so he's just absolutely incredible. And it just I, I never would have thought that we would be here at this point of his career talking about him like this. Um, you know, best player in the world, another chance to lead a team to a title and all this. So it, it really is incredible. 38 points, 16 rebounds, 10 assists, the triple-double that you speak of. They beat the Nuggets to claim the Western Conference Championship. And as you said, LeBron James in the finals again for the 10th time in in or the 10th, nine time in 10 years. That's incredible when you, when you really put that into, into perspective. Um, we'll, we'll talk more about LeBron, I'm sure, uh, you know, as, as we go forward and even into the offseason because it has really been incredible. But we do have to spend time talking about this Miami Heat team that, you know, the Lakers uh, are going toe to toe with in this NBA Finals. And the Heat, I don't know that, you know, many people expected them to get to the finals. I, for one, thought that they would make a deep run, did not expect them to be in the NBA Finals. And here they are with a legitimate shot at beating the Lakers. They are coming in as underdogs. But I, I think you, could, you can really make a case, and there is a scenario where you see the Heat winning the championship, and I don't think it should shock people. Uh, they've proven it you know, from you know, the, the, the start of the bubble that this is a really good team, and they're playing their best basketball at the perfect time to try and get over the hump. And it, it really starts with the culture and also – some of the moves that they made. We, we talked about it this morning, Scott. In your opinion, it's it's almost like two different teams that we're seeing this season. Mm-hmm. Um, wh- why do you sort of say that, and, and, and what do you really see be- the differences between the two teams? Well, I think it's a lot of little things. So first of all, well, the, the big one is the play of Goran Dragic, because this is a guy who came off the bench all season long. Kendrick Nunn was starting at point guard for the Miami Heat. And then in the season restart, that switches, and... I know uh, Frank Vogel said the other day that the Heat basically have three all-star caliber players, talking about Bam Adebayo, Jimmy Butler, and Goran Dragic. Um, and his ability to, to give them another shooter, another playmaker, a guy who can break down the defense, all of that stuff takes this game to another level, uh, takes this team to another level. Um, so that, that's the big thing with them. Beyond that, though, I mean, like, you, you've you seen Jay Crowder is now starting at power forward for them. He joined them at the trade deadline, so we didn't see much of that. Andrew Iguodala is in the rotation. He joined the team late. Um, all season long, this Heat team was starting Myers Leonard and Bam Adebayo in the front court, and now it's Bam Adebayo and Jay Crowder in the front court, and that's a huge difference because um, Myers Leonard was this, you know, spot up shooting center, um, and he's not he's not necessarily a bad defender, but he's also not a lockdown defender by any means. Um, and if you have Bam Adebayo, who who might be the switchiest center we've ever seen or seen in a long time a guy who can also protect the the glass uh, protect the rim pull down rebounds push in transition he's more of like a point center and you pair him with jay crowder who look we saw him go toe-to-toe with Giannis. he took on that assignment in the second round and did a really good job and i'm sure he'll spend time on anthony davis and and lebron james in this series so i think when you just add all of that stuff together obviously nothing has changed in regards to you know jimmy butler and bam Adebayo are still the two best players they're coached by eric spolstra they're a really hard-working gritty team but you add all those things together plus like tyler hero making a jump um it's it's crazy to think that tyler hero was all rookie second team this season and that's not to say that he deserved to be on the first team because quite frankly, he was not playing anywhere close to this level during the regular season. Um, mm-hmm. But the jump we've seen him make is almost what you'd expect from a guy from their first season to their second season, um, which is, you know, it's, it's crazy to think that we're watching like a 20-year-old rookie 
tie or come close to Magic Johnson's record for points scored in a conference finals by um, a rookie and everything like that. You had all those pieces together, and to me, it's just this Heat Heat team has changed so much, um, basically since the season got got suspended. Yeah, I, I uh, as you know, I, I talked about it on this podcast as well. I, I had them beating the, the Milwaukee Bucks. I had them, like I said, making a deep run. Was shocked that they did get past the Celtics and and, and punch their ticket to the NBA Finals. But I did see that the, the foundation was laid for this team to be good. Um, mm-hmm. I just didn't know they could be this good this fast. You look at the start of the regular season, um, you know, they were battling with the Toronto Raptors for second place in the Eastern Conference for a very long time until, you know, injuries sort of hit and they they started slowing down a little bit. And that kind of maybe clouded the judgment for many people what this team could be. And then also the trade that they made at the deadline, picking up Andre Iguodala and and also uh, Jay Crowder. Um, two huge moves that set them up to play the style that they're playing right now to be successful. Did we know that Jay Crowder was going to turn into uh, a marksman from three-point range? No, but we knew that Jay Crowder was going to be a really good defender uh, and, and and a body that they can throw at a guy like Giannis Antetokounmpo, uh, you know, to throw at guys like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and, and sort of try to neutralize the good wings that the Eastern Conference had. And that's, to me what made me interested in this team and, and gave them gave me made me give them a shot at really making a deep playoff run. Um, but the elevated play of Tyler Hero, as you mentioned, has been incredible. Bam doing what he's doing has really opened my eyes because he's taken the step to go to the next level and should be a perennial all-star, you know, going forward. And, and Jimmy Butler just being the, the perfect leader for this team, for this bunch, and giving them the confidence that they could walk onto the floor and beat anyone, that's really where uh, those are those intangibles that I, we couldn't see before, but we are seeing it now, and they have a legit shot, shot at beating the LA Lakers. So, all right, prediction time, Scott. I, I will Here say, we by go. Way, really quick, it, it's funny to think all the trade deadline stuff that, I mean, they were rumored to be um, interested in trading for Dylan Gallinari, and it sounded like that got pretty far. And I do remember that when that fell apart, when it was clear that the Heat were not going to get Danilo Gallinari, that kind of seemed the moment where I was like, oh man, that, that was the piece that would have put them over the edge. Like that's what would have helped them this season. And it's just crazy to think that that almost set them back or like pushed, pushed them back in our mind a little bit. And they've just kind of snuck their way to this point. Um, so it is funny to think that as good of a trade deadline and as, as successful of a trade deadline as that was for the Heat, it didn't seem like a home run at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right about that. And by the way, Danilo Gallinari uh, is expected to be a free agent, correct? This mm-hmm. offseason, if I'm he not is. mistaken. And they could very well throw. He's unrestricted. Um, and, you know, there's there's reports that the Miami Heat want to keep their books open for 2021 uh, when, surprise, surprise, Giannis Antetokounmpo could become a free agent. Um, but they're in a position where they actually have a decent amount of money to spend this offseason. And it wouldn't surprise me if they do throw, you know, some big one-year contracts at guys like that um, to put them in a position where they can compete for a title again next season, even without mm-hmm. someone like Giannis. That would be interesting for uh, for a guy like uh, Gallinari to, to maybe take a shot at winning a championship, forego long-term you know, security, but you would join a really good team that could use you um and i could see him playing the kelly olenic role you know at kelly olenic is is scheduled to be a potential free agent this offseason uh as well a reminder that if you have not already subscribed to the best soccer podcasts in the world go ahead and do that right now 
Sound System FC. Lawrence and Bo take you through the EPL, La Liga, all the leagues around the world and keep you up to date weekly with new episodes. I mean, this week we have Champions uh, Cup in or, or League Cup in, in the uh, EPL. La Liga is going already uh, off to a hot start. Valencia playing really good ball lately. Uh, and Lawrence and Bo will have you covered from top to bottom all around the world. There's so much soccer to watch. They'll do the work for you. You just got to listen to them. They'll take care of everything for you. Sound System FC. Go ahead, rate, subscribe, and review the best soccer podcast in the world. We said it, and you bounced away, you bounced away from it. Prediction time, Scott. <laughs> I'm sorry. Look, best I, of seven I, series. Here we go. Lakers and Heat. Who do you have and why? Right now, I lean towards the Lakers because I, ultimately they have the two best players in this series in LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And look, we, we just ranked on NBA.com the, the 12 best players in this series. And there's a case to be made that the Heat have the best players from three till seven or three till eight. But I do think in these situations, if you have the two best players on the court, that goes a long way. And it's hard for me to bet against LeBron in, in these situations. Um, so that, that's kind of where my, my heart is going. But ultimately, I, I do really think this Heat is going to be a really tough um, tough out for the Lakers. I think they match up well with them. I think they have a ton of guys they can throw at LeBron and potentially slow him down um, or make it more difficult for him than you know the three other teams that the Lakers have faced in the, in the playoffs so far have been able to. Um, Anthony Davis is going to be the big one. Uh, Bam Adebayo does match up well with him, but then that presents issues because how do you match up with their other big and everything like that? Um, the Lakers are going to have to figure out Miami zone and things like that. So I, I do think the Miami Heat could make this very interesting. Again, it would not surprise me if they did beat the Lakers, but I, I do lean towards the Lakers just because of their top two talent. It's hard for me to pick against LeBron James. Uh, it really is. And I, I look at this series, as you said, the two best players are on the Lakers, and it's not just that they're the two best players. We're talking about the two best players, some of the two, you know, two of the five best players in the entire league, and yep. then we're talking about an all-time great who knows how to turn it up in these moments, who has basically kind of sleptwalked by his standards to this point in the playoffs. He hasn't played. You've written, uh, you know, multiple times on NBA.com. He's played minimal minutes by his standards in this mm -hmm. postseason run, just 35 minutes per game so far. Uh, in the playoffs and that's a bad news that's kind of bad news for the Miami Heat when you're looking at a very fresh LeBron James who only has to go all out now for another week and a half no travel involved uh, the, the Lakers experience is there they they are all uh, they, they know what the finals is about they have more guys that have been here uh, to, to, to know what the media obligations are and and I know the travel kind of takes away from some of that but the spotlight and 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 the the nitpicking that goes from play to play in these finals games is nothing like some of these players have seen before. Um, you know, you have to experience it to really truly be able to to tell what that's like. And for LeBron James to be doing this his tenth time, I know that Anthony Davis is a neophyte when it comes to this, but Rajon Rondo is not. Dwight Howard is not. Uh, you know, Danny Green is not. They've mm -hmm. seen it. They have enough, and you know, they have enough experience on that roster to be able to kind of. Uh, you know, know what to expect when we're heading into this. All that being said, I think the Miami Heat present enough ways to beat you, you know, in, in different scenarios. Um, you know, if the Lakers are able to figure out a zone, I think Miami Heat and Eric Spolstra can go to a man-to-man -man and try to neutralize them that way. Um, they're going to be 
they're going to be dependent a lot on what Jimmy Butler and Goran Dragic can really do in terms of penetrating the Lakers' defense. I have faith that they'll be able to do that. I, I think that the, the Miami Heat's three-point barrage, they were the best three-point shooting team in the NBA, uh, or one of, for, for the entire season. We've seen that kind of carry over to the postseason. I think the Miami Heat can get this done as underdogs, and I'm picking the Heat in seven. It's tough for me to say that, but I'm picking the Heat in seven games. They should be your 2020 NBA champions. Yeah, the, the interesting thing about what you said is that I, I agree with you. The, the Lakers have, even though their, their role players aren't necessarily as good as the Heats, when you look at guys like Goran Dragic, even like a Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, you, you do trust guys like Danny Green, Dwight Howard, Rajon Rondo to be in these situations. And I know... There's been so many guys in the Heat who've been, you know, punching above their weight in these playoffs. Like nobody expected Tyler Hero to be this good. I don't. I didn't expect Jay Crowder to shoot this well. I didn't expect Goran Dragic to be this good, and all, all these different kind of things. I wonder if this is the moment where, like, is the is this when the spotlight is too big for Tyler Hero? Mm. And that kind of seems like a ridiculous thing to say after what he just did in the conference finals. But the thing with this Heat team is that what makes them so good is that they have so many different players that can go off on a night on a given night. We've seen it throughout this playoffs. Jay Crowder was shooting the lights out in the first two rounds. Tyler Hero took over. Um, Goran Dragic was great in that second round. And it takes some of the pressure off of Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler. Um, and, and I just wonder if this is potentially the series where we see, you know, it's the finals. They're four wins away. They're going up against LeBron and Anthony Davis. Is this one of those situations where it's a little bit too much for some of those younger guys on the team? Um, I don't necessarily know if it will just because they are so well coached and Look, this team, everyone works hard. Um, so many people have talked about heat culture, and I think there's so many different guys on this roster that embody that. Um, but it, it is something that I'm starting to wonder going into this series a little bit. The one thing that does make me lean a little bit towards Miami as well is, and, and I don't think there's a bad answer here. I think, you, you know, you could talk me into the Lakers, you talk me into heat. I landed on the heat for, as you said, I, I believe in the role players and what I've seen in the bubble thus far from the role players to trust that they'll be able to get it done and the different ways that they can beat you. I also think that when it comes to those 50-50 plays, the Heat will probably have you know guys that are more willing to do that. I don't know that I can trust Kyle Kuzma to dive on the floor for a loose ball or a Contavious Caldwell-Polt to do the same. And at this stage in his career, I don't know that Danny Green's doing that as well. But I know that Jay Crowder will stick his nose into it. I know that you know Andre Iguodala will do that. We've seen him do it many times in the past. And I also know that Jimmy Butler will do that as well. And when you have your best players, you know, when you're talking about Butler, Bam Adebayo, kind of doing the dirty work, it, it trickles down to everybody. And we'll, we'll see. If, if LeBron James and Anthony Davis can do that on the other end, they're spectacular. They're going to put up great numbers. But the little plays, the 50-50 balls, are they going to chase them down full speed ahead? Or are they going to leave that up to the role players? I know that the Heat stars are going to do that. And, and I lean a little bit more towards uh, the Heat. And that might be just me kind of bigging up the Heat culture there. I think they will. I think the Lakers will, though, because I, I think they also can sense how big of a moment this is, and LeBron especially. I, I think we're going to see... It's weird to say that we, we'll see the best that we've seen of LeBron this season, but I, he does know the moment. He knows the history. He knows what kind of situation he is. Who knows what next season is going to look like? This could be his best chance at winning another title um, before his career comes to an end. And I think Anthony Davis, too, this is a big situation for him. So I, I do think the Lakers are going to be... I think they'll be chasing all those 50-50 balls in as well. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, the Heat do have a little bit more depth in the, in those situations because they have basically eight guys they can turn to. Um, and like you said, as soon as you start getting to the the, the 
I don't want to say the Kyle Kuzmas and Alex Caruso's of the roster because I do think they've I think Kuzma's been pretty good defensively in these playoffs. Alex Caruso, um, he's an important role player. Um, but there's no doubt that the Heat have more depth than the Lakers do. Um, so it, it's just it's, it'll be interesting to see how much of that impacts this series. Because again, the Lakers have the, clearly the two best players in this series. But once you get after that, it's pretty much a list that's dominated by Heat players. You could tell we're in 2020 because anytime I hear Kyle Kuzma and defense in the same sentence and it's not crushing his defense, I'm I'm shocked. You just gave him some credit for his work <laughs> defensively. That's amazing. Uh, he looks hard. Yeah, good for him. Uh, let's let's move on to the two teams that uh, lost in the conference finals. Two teams, in my opinion, that have a bright future ahead of them. First, I want to start with the Boston Celtics because. Um, they were both of our picks, I believe, to beat mm-hmm. the Miami Heat in the conference finals. That did not happen. We did not see the series going the way that it did. And now they have a lot of questions heading into the offseason. Obviously, injuries played a factor in you know what happened with Gordon Hayward, but he is a guy that you, know, you hear his name kind of thrown out there in trade rumors. I'm of the opinion, though, Scott, that uh, this Heat team should stick together. And it's something I said to you, uh, you know, in our morning meeting yesterday that I think that um, – it comes down to Brad Stevens really getting to the next level as an in-game manager, as a head coach. His X's and O's, amazing. His, his adjustments between games, great. He's one of the five best coaches in the NBA, without question, in my opinion. But yep. there are times where I do scratch my head when I see him allowing his team to bleed on the floor, for a lack of a better term, and not call a timeout. And game six against the Heat was a perfect example of that. His team needed a timeout. They were kind of screaming at him to call timeout, and he let them flounder out there. They played poorly, and the lead for Miami kept growing until it was insurmountable, and they lose game six, and now they're out of the bubble. There was a chance where he could have taken a challenge, but he probably should have taken, did not take it, and now he's home with that challenge still sitting in his back pocket wondering whether or not he should have done it. And there's for me, there's too many moments like that from Brad uh, in the regular season and now ultimately in the playoffs where it really matters that he needs to be better than uh, it needs to be better at because he's he's failing his team, in my opinion, in those moments. So my suggestion is bringing someone on this, the coaching staff that, you know, is not I don't want to say an expert in that scenario, but someone that he trusts that can tell him or tap him on the shoulder and say, hey. It is a 10-0 run right now. We need you to call timeout to, to kind of refocus us and get us back on board. Uh, and I don't know who that guy is. I don't know if it's someone on the staff that needs to be empowered to do so, but he needs that person uh, because it's clear to me that we haven't seen that from him yet, and I don't expect to see it from him yet. That's interesting. Um the thing about the Celtics team is that they don't really have many directions they can go because they're pretty much locked into what they have. You know, they just signed Kemba Walker. They have Jalen Brown. Jason Tatum's contract extension is coming up, and you best believe that he's going to get uh, the absolute max because he's proven to be that caliber of a player. And, and when you throw in Gordon Hayward as well, who I'm assuming is going to pick up his player option for next season, considering it's for $34.2 million, and he's not going to get that at all in free agency. Um, they, they, they basically bring him back the same roster next season. They don't have the moves to, to sign even a middle name free agent, a guy like Tristan Thompson, for example. Um, the only way they could get him is basically signing him for the minimum. So this team is running it back, um, save for you know someone being traded. But again, Gordon Hayward's probably the only option there. Um, which, you know, is, I, w- I wouldn't say it's a gift and a curse. That seems, that seems too much. Um, but this team is really young. And I think if you bank on Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum continuing to develop, 
Um, Tatum made a huge leap this season into an all-star. I think we've seen what him being a superstar could look like. Um, he wasn't as good in the conference finals as he was in the previous rounds, but I, I, I believe in him, and I think he can get to that level. Um, and the reality is, like, maybe the Celtics team just wasn't at a point this season where they had everything they could to, to make it to the finals. Obviously, if a few things changed in that series against the Heat, they could have. Um, but I still think this, you know, this team has one of the brightest futures in the league. Um, and, you know, to have two guys in Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum who are going to be under team control for several years, they're in a pretty good position, all things considered. Yeah, they are. And that's why I don't think that they need to make a move, per se. I think it's more on Brad really trying to understand game management and and really uh, tapping into to taking control of the game when he needs to. It's okay to be hands-off as a coach, and I think he does a good job of doing that. But he's doing too great of a job of doing that because, as you said, it's a young team, and sometimes they need to be reeled in a bit. It's not the veteran team that, you know, the Phil Jackson style of coaching doesn't always work uh, when you have that young of a team. Sometimes they need to be brought in and said, all right, let's settle down and, and, and play Celtic basketball. And I think they were a couple timeouts away in game six of really kind of figuring out uh, how to slow the game down and, and, and getting back in, in business. And they, they kind of unraveled in that game and and you saw it happen you know in, in real time and now they're sitting at home thinking of what could have been uh, on the other end a team that didn't unravel when they were down 3-1 twice in the NBA playoffs to uh to to my surprise really uh, the Denver Nuggets battled back they couldn't do it this time against the Los Angeles Lakers I think the Lakers are just a better team at this point and also the, the war of attrition for the uh, the Nuggets. They they did look exhausted at the end of Game Five against the Lakers when LeBron was going to the other level. The, the, the Nuggets were trying to flip the switch and they, and they they couldn't get there. Um, mm-hmm. So where do you see the Nuggets going? Because they did learn a lot about themselves. I think in this in this bubble, um, we learned a lot about Jamal Murray. Of course, we learned a lot about Jokic. They know they have some free agents that they probably got to sign and, and and bring back. But where do you see the Nuggets going from here? I mean, they have an incredibly bright future as well. Um, similar deal when you have two guys like Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic who are as young as they are and have already proven to be, you know, Nikola Jokic at this point, there's no doubt that he's a superstar in my mind. Um, even coming into the season, there was talks about it, but he proved it with the regular season that he had despite the slow start um, and then what he was able to do in the playoffs. And then for them, for Murray to take the leap that he did in the playoffs was huge because obviously they've signed him to kind of be that, 1B next to Nikola Jokic, um, or however you want to put it, the, the Robin to his Batman. Um, and, and he really did in these playoffs show that he's capable of being that player. The question for them is, you know, can he carry that over into next season? Um, one of the big things I'll be looking at, and I wrote about this after um, Denver's Game 3 win, I think it was Game 3, against the Lakers, is that his pull-up shooting was just in a completely different level in these playoffs. Uh, he's always been a really good pull-up mid-range shooter, but he basically turned into Steph Curry when it came into pull-up threes in these playoffs, which again, he's proven that he can do that. And when he's making those shots, he's a completely different player, but he hasn't been able to knock those shots down consistently um, to this point in this season. I think he was at like f- his career. I think it, um, he was up to like 44% on pull-up threes in the playoffs and in the regular season, it was like 32%. So it was a huge difference. Right. Um, so if, if, if that's here to stay, um, you know, those two guys together, this Nuggets team is going to be capable of being in this situation again, the same situation that they were in this season, I think. But like you said, that there's definitely some questions that they're going to have to answer in, in, in the offseason. Um, Paul Millsap's an unrestricted free agent. I'm guessing he's gone. Jeremy Grant has a player option in his contract for next season. He's already said he's going to turn that down to become an unrestricted free agent. 
And I think he, you know, the signs point towards him staying in Denver, but he's based on the way he played in the playoffs. There's going to be a lot of teams interested in having him on their roster. And then you look at guys like Torrey Craig. He could, he was in their rotation. He could be a free agent. Um, you know, what does the future hold for Michael Porter Jr.? Is he a guy who can fit in next to Murray and Jokic? Or is he someone they eventually flip? Um, and, and similar deal with Gary Harris. So, so they, they have more questions to answer this offseason than the Celtics do. Um, but, you know, again, anytime you have a team that has two young players as talented as Jokic and Murray are, you're in a good situation. Winning is hard, man. It, it really it is. is. When you look at, uh, you know, the Denver Nuggets and how close they came to, you know, finally breaking through and maybe getting to the NBA Finals, they lose to a really good Laker team. And you mentioned all those questions that they have for the offseason. That window, uh, you know, of opportunity where you, you get to, to, to win in this league, it could close pretty quickly on you if you make a couple of wrong steps. And mm-hmm. I look at next season. We have, you know, the Clippers are going to come back and they're going to be, you know, a team on a mission really good regardless of what happens and who coaches them they're going to be a really good team uh, who knows what happens at houston and okc but you still have the utah jazz who probably learned a lot about themselves in the bubble as well and could get better and oh they also add you know boyan bogdanovich who did not play in the bubble at all that would have been a piece they could have used uh the dallas mavericks we know what luka Doncic could do portland trailblazers are going to be good memphis is, is, is on the rise phoenix had a great bubble and maybe this is the time where they take the next step and then last but not least, I think everybody always forgets the Golden State Warriors are going to be healthy again and going to be on a, a team on a mission, a really good basketball team that over the last five years, other than this year, lost in the NBA Finals or won the NBA Finals. Like that, that they have not, we haven't seen Golden State lose a playoff series in a long time other than in the finals. So that's a team that's going to be in the playoffs next season and a team that you're going to have to beat to go through if you're the Denver Nuggets. And that's a really good team. It doesn't get any easier from here on out. So you, those you know question marks that they have heading into the offseason that you just mentioned, they have to knock it out of the park because you slip on a banana peel in the West and you're in trouble. I mean, you look at the the Thunder, I feel like, are a great example of this. You know, they, they made the finals in 2012. They lose to the Heat, but that seemed like one of those situations where you're looking at that team and you're like, they could be in the finals the, year, the next year, the year after that. Like, this could be the best team in the league for the next five, ten years. Um, and obviously then trades happen, players get injured, players move on in free agency. Um, so we do kind of take for granted, you know, the Nuggets had a great run. This team should be back here the next year. But the reality is there are so many different things that could change between now and then uh, that could prevent them from getting back to this stage. So you're absolutely right on that front, um, which only puts more pressure on all that free agency stuff that we just mentioned. Yeah, it's it's tough. Um, all right. We mentioned the Clippers. Let's close with the Clippers. Doc Rivers out as the Clippers head coach. He now joins a coaching uh, carousel that features Mike D'Antoni, Alvin Gentry. There's a bunch of great names out there and a bunch of great jobs out there. Uh, You have the Houston Rockets. You have the Indiana Pacers. You have the Pelicans with Zion Williamson. You have OKC that might look like a rebuilding stage, but who knows what happens with them. And then you have the Philadelphia 76ers. We know that you know the Knicks got out of that by hiring Tom Thibodeau. We'll see what happens with them. The other New York team in Brooklyn hired Steve Nash and never coached a day in his life. And now he has a team that's supposed to be ready to win a championship, and he's going to have to take care of that. Billy Donovan leaves OKC and goes to Chicago, a young team that I think he can get into the playoffs sooner rather than later. So the coaching carousel, huge. But I think out of the jobs that are available, to me, the L.A. Clippers job is the best out of all of them. It's the best job in basketball right now. They have a couple of guys on their staff in Ty Lue and Sam Cassell that 
Uh, you know, Ty Lue obviously won a championship in Cleveland. Sam Cassell, we've been hearing his name a lot for, you know, the next guy that gets a coaching shot. But is there a name out there that maybe we should look to for this job? Because this Clippers situation is championship ready today. I mean, Ty Lue is the, the person that comes to mind for me. Um, I, know, I know it's been reported that he's one of the front runners for this position. But when you just look at, you know, he has experience with this team, having been an assistant coach under Doc Rivers. Um, and then his relationship with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George already, that helps. But he's also been in this exact same situation before. When you look in Cleveland, he was an assistant coach under David Blatt. David Blatt gets fired. And then he, you know, Ty Lue leads that team as the head coach to their first championship in franchise history. So I, I just think that kind of helps his case. And to me, he just he, he's the easy choice here, um, or at least the first person that comes to mind just because of how much crossover there is there. He's already proven that he can kind of manage stars um, in LeBron James, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Love because that Cleveland team wasn't necessarily easy to, uh, to, to coach. Um, so I, I just think he makes a lot of sense on a number of different levels to be the next head coach. I I look at a guy like Nate McMillan. I think Nate McMillan deserves one of these uh, one of these jobs and, and and can take the Clippers over the top. Have we seen Nate McMillan be successful uh, in the playoffs? No, he has a seventeen and thirty six playoff record. It's awful. It's horrible. But every time he's gotten an opportunity to coach a team, he's you know kind of gotten them over uh, expectations in Portland. You know, in uh, with the Pacers, with the Sonics. Uh, this specifically this year in the bubble with the Indiana Pacers, what he was able to do all season long with the fact that you don't have Victor Oladipo, the fact that you lose Sabonis uh, in the bubble, and you still battle. Uh, you know, you had your team playing as well as you did. Um, you find a, a star in TJ Warren and, and kind of have him break out. I feel like his temperament would be perfect for uh, the Clippers. He, he, I, th- I feel like he can break through to um, the team that probably obviously needs a little bit of a chemistry issue there or chemistry work. Um, and it would also give him an opportunity to prove himself in the postseason. You know, this is a, it's a guy, like I said, 17 and 36 in the postseason, not great, but I think something's there with, with Nate McMillan. He, he can get the job done and, and he deserves a shot uh, in LA. I don't know that his name has been called at all for, for the job, but I think he would be someone that I would look to, uh, to take the Clippers over the top. And, uh, and, and really, it's championship or bust for them. You know, regardless of who's I mean, the head coach, it's championship or bust for them. Well, that's the thing, and I think there's, you know, McMillan has done a fantastic job at leading teams, like you said, this Pacers team this season, but I do, like, this Clippers team is not in the business of getting a floor raiser and a coach. Um, This is is a team that needs to make, like, a Dwayne Casey to Nick Nurse kind of move, like a team that can take them to the next championship level, which is the hardest jump to make, by the way. Mm -hmm. Um, And you you pointing out Nick McMillan's playoff record doesn't exactly strike me as someone who is going to get that team to that level, um, which is kind of just... That, that's why Ty Lue makes sense to me. Like he, he's proven he can kind of thrive in this situation before and take a team like this to that level, um, which is why I, I, I just I don't know if they I, I think they don't need to get too cute on this. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. I, I, that's not to say that Nate McMillan would be a bad choice because I don't think he would, um, but I, I just don't know if he's the right person for it necessarily. That's fair. That's fair. I, I, I appreciate that opinion. Um, Doc Rivers on the other side of things is he's looking for a job. Where do you see mm-hmm. him landing? Um, New Orleans is really interesting. Um, we talked about this this morning. Philadelphia was the other one we mentioned, right? Right. Um, 
I, I think New Orleans is probably my favorite situation for him just because that's a young team. You have a young rising star in Zion Williamson. That roster has a ton of potential. Um, I, I, I like that situation for him. Houston is another option, but I mean, who knows what Houston is going to do moving forward in regards to <laughs> how they build that team around Russell Westbrook and James Harden, whether they look to move one of them. So I think just job security-wise, I think after what's happened with the Clippers, he'd probably want to go somewhere a little bit safer um, and know that his job is secure for at least a few seasons, which is I think would be the case with with New Orleans. Um, Philly is fascinating. I think that team could go in so many different directions. Um, when you look at the the talent they have on that roster, who they could trade, the different styles that they could play, um, but there's just so much uncertainty with that team that there's a little there's a little less wiggle room with that. Um, there's expectations already. If you have two guys in Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, you have championship expectations regardless of the players surrounding them. Um, mm. So I, I think there's just a little less of a leash on that front, which makes it a little bit more of a risky move. Listen, I'm not Doc's agent and I'm not Doc Rivers, but I I would say to for 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 him to to kind of be careful of where he decides to go. He doesn't strike me as the guy that's a system guy. Like he's not bringing a system with him like a Mike D'Antoni. You know what you're getting out of Mike D'Antoni. He's playing a right. certain way. Where Doc is not a system guy where he's going to bring in a new system and some of these teams need that. And I don't think that he's that type of coach. I think he's more of a player manager, uh, excelling in that way and allowing his staff to do uh, some of the, the the kind of implementing offenses and defenses uh, similar to what he had in Boston. That's what got him over the top is having Tom Thibodeau kind of work that defensive scheme that really made them tough to score against. But uh, some of these you know openings like the Thunder, the Pelicans, the Sixers, and even the Rockets – other than the Rockets, they don't have a system in place. They, they'd probably be looking for a coach to come in and do that there. And I don't know that Doc's that guy. So he has to be careful there. And also, we talked about Nate McMillan's you know, poor playoff history. Doc has won a championship, but he's just 500 in the playoffs. You know, 91-89 mm-hmm. overall in the, in the postseason. And everyone's always going to talk about the blowing the 3-1 leads. Like That's, that's always going yeah. to be attached to Doc Rivers here on out. Uh, until he wins another ring, so um, you know it's the the, the coaching moves this off season is going to be probably one of the most interesting storylines as we head towards it. Normally, it's free agency and where players are going. We we rarely talk about coaches, but there's a lot of good jobs open and a lot of jobs that uh, I think coaches would want. Two teams, you know, I, I look at the Pelicans with Zion, who would, who wouldn't want to coach Zion, and then you look at the Sixers, who are kind of you know, well, they're minds are set on building building towards a championship they may not be they may not be there but they they want to be a championship contender um and then you have the rockets that's interesting some you know mm-hmm. who wouldn't want to coach james james harden the pacers have a lot of young talent so there's there's good situations um it's, it's going to be interesting where these coaches definitely land uh all right scott we'll be back next week right here on nba sound system live 3 30 or 3 o'clock eastern time noon pacific across the nba global networks again scott believes that the lakers are going to win a championship of course i disagree with him i'm going with the heat in (laughs) seven we'll see who's right a week from now we'll be ahead of game four i doubt there will be a sweep that we'll be talking about but stranger things have happened but we'll catch you guys next week 3 p.m eastern time noon pacific NBA Sound System Live. If you missed any of the show, go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review. For Scott Rafferty, I'm Carlin Gay. We will see you next week right here on NBA Sound System. Mm-hmm.